Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello guys and welcome to the Look Sports Media Podcast. I'm Owen and we, today we have got Aaron, who is Hello, a Aaron. who is an Oldham Athletic fan. Uh, first time his time on the podcast. First time also for Sam. Hello. I'm a Leighton Orient fan. How unfortunate for me. And we welcome back Ollie as well. Yeah, fresh off a uh, not so fruitful weekend away in Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's been only a, a short weekend, uh, quite a quiet one for League One this weekend with only four games. So we'll just quickly go through those and then we'll start talking about some some other things about what's happened in League One this past week. So first we go off to Cambridge as they play Shrewsbury. Now, on the face of this, this game was obviously a one or draw and there wasn't a lot happening in the actual game. Until um, Michael Morrison decided to turn himself into Prime Lionel Messi, dribble past, I think it was maybe five or six defenders, and slot it into the bottom corner. And actually, his goal in that game was 16 years till the to the day since his last Cambridge United goal as well, which I, th- I thought was quite poetic. Um and I kind of felt sorry for the, the guy because I, I don't know whether any of you guys have seen that goal. If you, if you haven't, definitely check it out on social media because it's not just a typical defender's finish. It, it literally looked like it could be like a, a championship Premier League striker. Um, but then it, the spotlight got taken away. That goal should have won the game. But then obviously the they got the equaliser with maybe one or two minutes to go. But yeah, um, talk about... Leaving it a long time to get your your goal and then and then producing a goal of that quality, boys, eh? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's worst defending I've ever seen. Let's not take it away from. Let's not take it away from Morrison here. Is is um a veteran centre half? So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to his silky footwork more than the maybe questionable defending. I'm sure. He didn't look like he had control of the ball though. You know, like he's just like you know, you know, when you're younger and you just have no control of the ball, so you're just sort of like running with it, and you're like you could go off balance at any moment. And he's just he's just continued that and just put one in the bottom corner. It's, it's one of those it? ball, and they scored. His manager would have been fuming with him. <laughs> yeah, it's also one of those where a player dribbles at someone and is so unpredictable in his movements that the defenders can't kind of just don't really know what to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a lovely goal. A, a lovely goal. Yeah, it, yeah. We can't take that away from him. But uh, any I mean, any sort of tackle, they lose the ball and they could get countered. Obviously, yeah. as well. I know he's had quite a, a like a, a varied career in the EFL, Morrison. But to, for me, the feeling—I mean, you, you can't really explain it—but the feeling of returning back to one of your your former clubs and waiting sixteen years to get your next goal for that club and then do it in them circumstances. I don't think you can write much better scripts than that, to be honest. Yeah. We, um, we, did, we, did, we touched on it last week, didn't we, as well? The fact that Shrewsbury obviously had last weekend the penalty save and then a late winner. And then we also said that, you know, what about start a bit of momentum and become a bit of a habit? Another, another late equaliser here. In, in, interesting to go, you know, consecutive games getting late equalisers, late winners. Just, yeah, wonder if that might be a bit, again, a turning point for them. Yeah, that the goals couldn't have been completely different because Shrewsbury's was literally pinball in the box and then a scrappy finish. Sunday league, just what you want. But like, um, but with the Shrewsbury, like I said, for Matt for scoring those late goals, especially with the position I believe they'll be, they will probably be down there near the bottom of the table, fighting for relegate, fighting out of relegation. That point that they scored on Saturday, that might be the most crucial goal they've scored because that might be a point up that there might be a yeah. point to survive. You never know. Those those last goals are, are going to be massive down that down that bottom table. Yes. So I'm going to do the uh, match at Sinsel Bank between Lincoln and Burton. Um, it was a, a little bit of a of a scrappy sort of not great of a quality of a game. Uh, it started with a with a red card for uh, for Lincoln City after uh, just five minutes after the break as well. Of ten minutes, sorry, after the break, and it it yeah it sort of demonstrated there wasn't a great game. Burton capitalised off an own goal, um, and I've just I saw from Lincoln fans they 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 said they wouldn't have scored in about five hundred minutes, and I I feel like they could also be in danger if they don't get their finishing under control because like I said, they're just struggling at the moment to just score. Yeah, they've won as well. They've won one game since August, um, and that was against Chel- Cheltenham. So, you know, they, I, think, I think a lot of people looked at Lincoln pre-season, didn't they? And they were a side that you know you looked at thinking, mate, you know, should be pushing top half. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do wonder a little bit. I don't know if anyone saw Mark Kennedy's comments about Mandry after his red card. Um, he said something along the lines of the fact that he needs, essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm stereotyping a little bit here, but basically said. Uh, he needs to grow up a little bit um, and, you know, make make some better decisions on the football pitch. I do wonder if uh, Kennedy might be under a bit of pressure there. I know that they're, they're obviously missing missing their, basically their front three. Um, but it's a, it's a hard one, that, for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp of, unless it's absolutely necessary, and listen, I know, I know different managers have different styles, but I'm not sure about managers that go 
to the press and like dig out one of their own players, especially like a younger player like that. You know what I mean? It's it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was a, it was a weird comment. He he basically said he he's a player who could be anything, uh, and in three years' time he might be playing in the championship. He might be back in Ireland, um, and, and so it was it was kind of a, a bit of a dig and and kind of saying look, you've got potential to be a lot better than that. But no, I, I agree with you. Is it? It's a weird move for a manager, and it, it's definitely one sort of backs against the wall. I've got to come out swinging somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like like a lot of the time that happens um, that some managers maybe don't like the player that they bought, that or they haven't bought them when they don't like them as a player, so they've had a dig at them. I, I, that's happened a couple of times with players. I think it's Stephen who's just been a couple of times where players have just been bought by the manager that's not there, and they just don't like the work ethic, so they dig them out. They put them as a scapegoat. It's happened higher up the division as well as lower. It yeah. seems a weird time to do that, right? Because you know, if you're going to do that and you don't like a player or for whatever reason, do it in August. Like, get get rid, get rid of the guy. But don't, don't do it, you know, early October where you've got you're not scoring. You know, you're, I would say you're not scoring goals. You're not playing well. I, I get that some players will will rise to that and you're going to get something out of them. But yeah, it feels, feels a strange one. Yeah, and the thing is for me, I I know it's very like sort of cliche to throw about now, but isn't it's important? Like we've seen high profile cases recently, but like mental health within football is so important, and you know, like you've just got to be so careful now. And I know the manager is the one that commands respect. I get that completely. Like he's got to do what he's got to do but you've got to be so careful with the temperament and the, and the mental health of the players now and you know it's it's, it's a strange one yeah I, I don't know I just feel like that the same with Lincoln is that they need to that squad morale needs to be up there and you're not going to get that with your manager digging out your players at full time and I wouldn't be surprised if this keeps happening he's gone in the next month yeah yeah, yeah cool, cool. Help, like, yeah. like we've said, he misses all all his front three. And I thought Tyler Walker would have been one of the league's top scorers when he actually joined Lincoln. But him, his injury record isn't the best in the first place. Um, and him probably being out probably hasn't helped. Along with is it Ben House up front as well? Um, yeah, I also feel. Yeah. yeah, I also feel for Burton as well. Burton have had a, a great a great recovery after what seemed to be a poor poor first month or two in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, people are probably some Burton fans are probably asking for Mariah's job to be to be revoked. It seems at the moment that they're flying, and you never know they could get back into that mid table. They're just hoping they're not dragged into that relegation fight again. Which they have yeah, I think, again, like well, obviously coming from the world I do in terms of the betting perspective, I, I think that for a lot of people. Burton were quietly being spoken about as a little bit of a dark horse, um, not you know, not not, not to, go, to go and win the league, but certainly to belie any sort of relegation candidates status they had. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a slow start, but they're if you look at the form table because the last ten games they're actually eighth, um, which mm-hmm. at this stage of the season, I think. I think as football fans, we obviously we can be fickle, um, but I think the, you know particularly in the first sort of six to eight games when teams are finding their feet, I think we can make quite large sweeping, and, sweeping statements about teams. And we're now at a stage where actually, if you look at the last, you know, 10 games, we're now 12 games or so in. But, you know, I think you can now make some assumptions about sides. So they're probably about where I expect them to be. The yeah. thing is, I don't know why people are that surprised. Even when it comes to a Mamria um, side, 
I know he 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 has a graph. I follow him on on LinkedIn. I won't go into how that came around, um, but he has a graph and basically it shows. I think every one of his clubs that he's been to, from where he took them on to where they are now, they've got a better points per game ratio under him, and and that's what that's what he seems to do. That's what he seems to pride himself on. They seem to start slow under him, but then they'll gradually gradually climb and get better and improve, and that's what he seems to have made his name for in in the EFL, and he, he did it with us. I know Owen, he, he obviously had um, a, quite a lengthy spell at Stevenage, so I um, I don't think it's any sort of real surprise to me to see them climbing, because that's what he bases his, his management style off, in my opinion. Yeah, You can tell so much there, by the way, that he is from the Graham Wesley School of Management. Of yeah. the, uh, just the re- referencing his own points per game stats and, and putting it in the nice, kind light that he can. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. With with Dino, I, I think he's a great manager at the moment. And I think for us, he, he did all right. He did in his first full season. He had one full season in charge with us. He stayed us up in his first season when he took over from Darren Sale. And then he... Took us to, I think it was eighth or ninth, just outside the playoffs. A little bit of help was that was getting the prize, the Lyres chair, who was probably the most gifted player to ever play for Stevenage, in my opinion. Um, and then I think the next season, he wasn't given enough time at all. That team that he, he had that season was rubbish. It's the reason why Stevenage finished 24th and only stayed up due to Berry and Macclesfield going under. But He's doing a cracking job there at, at Burton after we given the chance after Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank sacking last season. And and now he's he's really showing why, in my opinion, he could go up the leagues if he if he continues doing what he's doing. Yeah, I do I do I, I do always think, and I, I say this as a, a fan of um a different type of style of football, shall we say. Um I do think there's a there's a limit to it. I mean, you know, we've kind of seen that in managers, haven't we? That you get up to, you know, you do can do well in league in league two playing a direct style. You can be you can you can stay in the league in league one doing it. Um, I'd I'd be interested to see if he went anywhere with a bigger budget or anywhere that demanded any more yeah. of his style of play. Whether yeah. that's something that's, that's in his realms of possibility. Well, I think obviously I'll just touch on it quickly because I know we've got other games to move on to. But I think that's ultimately what what sort of um, kind of not made the olden fans turn because I don't think we ever turned on Dino, but like, and maybe we need to uh, dampen our expectations because we are a national league side now. But when when we were in, uh, I think we were either in League Two or League One at the time under his management, we had had the the sort of players to be able to play more sort of expansive and, and proactive than we were doing and. I think his sort of play style in the end sort of cost him sort of the the um, supporters like trust and and sort of back him really. Yeah, I I do I think I think another option of someone who, who can sort of go up the leagues and not but not reach out home is someone like a Steve Evans. I think he's that League One League Two that direct style is brilliant for that level, but he didn't he wasn't able to get higher up the leagues because that style does get found out the high up division you go yeah yeah he had that trial at loot well not trial but he had that management role at loot and uh, not loot and leeds for a little while didn't he yeah. and that didn't go overly well leeds was a bit of a poison chalice at that moment anyway but um it didn't overly go well for him yeah 
So we will go to the next game, uh, and that will be Carlisle versus Orient. Sam covered this one. Um, so looking at this game on paper, you're probably thinking it was looking like it's either going to be a one nil either way or a nil nil. Two teams who average under one goal per game. Um, when the team sheets come out, I was quietly confident in the way we were going to play. Um, with it's a back four in possession nowadays and a back five without it, which is vastly different to what we played last year with inverted wing, uh, inverted fullbacks and stuff like that. Um, so we have evolved to the sort of level, but um, we had El Mazzuni hit the bar early on. Um, Carlisle weren't overly a threat. Um, the only real threat they had was Owen Moxon with his uh, set piece deliveries, which every single time they went into the box around the six yard box with pace, with um, width, with accuracy. And they always, always caused problems. Um, but our defence, to be fair to them, because we had a lot of problems defending our box in the first six, six, seven games. They're out, absolutely outstanding. Um, the signing of Brandon Cooper um, at the back is, is one of them. He, he like, likens to me to like a John Mackey. He just puts his head anywhere. He doesn't care if he gets booted in the face. It, it's it's brilliant to watch from a fan's point of view, putting a defend seeing a defender put their body on the line like that. Uh, but our goal was actually a really good goal from Joe Piggott, picking up the ball in the middle of the park, putting a De Bruyne esque through ball through to Rolls Turiu. Not overly sure what Thomas Holy was doing out there. A good shot stopper, but a sweeper keeper at six foot nine with his footwork a bit, yeah. a bit clumsy, and the ball just sort of p rolled into the far post. Um, and then other than that, we we shut up shop. We couldn't create anything. We resorted to route one a bit like cut into Carlisle's game plan. Um, they hit the post. But other than that, I was pretty disappointed with Carlisle coming off the back of the 3-2 win against Bolton. I was expecting them to be full of confidence, but they they were really, really poor. Um, John Mellish at the back, I thought, had a really poor game. He got run ragged by Saturio and Joe Piggott. And Joe yeah. Piggott has taken a lot of criticism from our fans. And I thought he was outstanding that game. Yeah. I thought with Joe Pigger, I I I I rated him. That signing, I was looking Stevenage were looking at. I think Stevenage fans were a little bit unhappy when they found out Leighton Orient signed him because he is a brilliant League One striker. And I think, like I said, it was unfair the amount of criticism that Leighton Orient fans were giving him. He maybe just needed a bit of time to settle in. Like your season, it's been a slow start. And it looks like since then you've kicked on very well. And yeah. He seems to have found a system now that works. We've got little partnerships building everywhere. And I've always said Piggott, when he was at Wimbledon, played in a two-up top. We now play two-up top, and Piggott looks a completely different player. Yeah. I think think that these two sides are a massive contrast in what teams do when they get promoted. I think Orient, Orient, like you say, have looked at things. They've they've changed the system, changed the style, uh, and have changed it up with success. I'm really worried about Carlisle. Um, yeah. I think that they just don't score enough goals. Um, they've got 11 in the 13 games, but five of those were across two games. So if you take the other 11 games, they've only scored six goals. Yeah. Um, they, 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 in six of their games, they've not scored. Um, and that was an issue the back end of last season and essentially stopped them from yeah. challenging for the autos. They've actually, I looked at this earlier, they've only scored one goal away from play, which, oh dear. you know, third. Yeah, they played 13 games. Like even even Cheltenham can match that. So yeah, yeah, major concerns there. Um, and from, from oh sorry, no, well, I was just going to say that it's, it's highlighting that game. You know, you're behind in the match, and you know their XG oh, in the game I think was 0.48, which 
yeah, you've got to be worried about that. You like you say, there are a threat from set pieces, but yeah, I think um, to me as well. Now, every interview that you watch or listen to Simpson do as the season is progressing, to me personally, it sounds like a man under a lot of stress. And I can't. Was it was it the the Papa John's interview where he basically just came out and said that like he's for the lack of a better terminology, he basically just came out and said that his players give a shit performance, like the the fans deserve better and stuff like that. And he goes back to what we were talking about before with the other managers, but but it just sounds like he's under a lot of a lot of pressure and he's starting to feel it to me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, from an Orient fan perspective, I think we're in. I think we've lost one in eight in all competitions now. We're starting to find our feet. We've got people like Galbraith, who's not really played any minutes, and I'm quite excited for when he comes back. Um, yeah, and the only I only lost in the league in our last six. I think it was to in Fleetwood, which was yeah, playing in the backside, but because then we dominated the first thirty minutes of that game as well. Yeah, I think. I think um, with Orion, it was that loss against against Stevenage. I think you got battered. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything, but you got battered that time. No, we did get I'm battered. It was it was men against boys. Yeah, and that's that. In my opinion, was a turning point. It was it was a wake up point where you've gone. This is a team that we beat last year uh, in the league. You you were I think it was five or six points above above Stevenage on the table. Um, they've just turned us over here at home, three 0 We need to change something. And you yeah. have, like you said, you've lost one in six. And it's just been a real good turnaround. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're comfortably mid-table next season, uh, this season. I Unfortunately, with Carlisle, I thought they would kick, up, kick on after that. Probably, in my opinion, the biggest upset of the season so far in League One with the Bolton win. Um, like, now they look like, I feel like they're going to be a sure relegation candidate with, with probably Cheltenham. Cheltenham. For me, just going back to Leighton Orient a second, and like that, I'll always have a soft spot for Leighton Orient as long as Richie Williams is in that job. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't stress um, both from a player point of view. Like, Richie Williams is a club legend in my eyes at Latics. Like, he's probably one of the best midfielders I, I, I seen as a, a youngster watching Latics. But even a, a lot of our fan base put two and two together and think. Wellens was obviously because Wellens was the guy that was in charge when we dropped down from League One to League Two. But everyone knows now that, that Abdel was the reason why you know why that happened. And I think he plays well. Like last year, he proved that he played some probably that that Leighton Orient side last year was probably the best one of the best League Two sides I've seen in in, in recent recent memories. And and the way they just like got that league title for me was. Absolutely outrageous, and then even if you look at look at like the the job he did at Salford beforehand, I think that was probably one of the most harsh, unfair sackings that I've ever seen ever. A week after he guides into the Papa John's Trophy, he gets sacked. Well, they were sacked. Were, were they sacked? Sacked yeah, six or seven, I think. Um, and yeah, so I think I think Wellens is one of the best managers in the league in my opinion and I'm not just saying that with an Oldham hat on I, I really enjoy his, his style of football and I, I re- I'm really happy to see him doing well because I was convinced that if Latics would have stuck with him when we got relegated I, I was convinced he was going to take us right back up again. Yeah. Salford are probably thinking the same now 
Um, if they yeah. had a little bit of faith with him, gave him a summer to get his own players in, where, where would Salford be now? But then again, with well, I'm just saying with Salford, I know we're, a bit, I know we're, we're not really, we're last league too, but it's the same with Grand Alexander for them as well. If they kept them, they might have got playoffs and gone up. No, so that's what I mean. That's a swing around to managers at this point. Yeah, I, I know that's a League Two topic, but I, I sort of disagree a little bit because obviously I, I was lucky enough to work under Graham at Salford and I have a lot of respect for the guy, but he, he it wasn't working at the end at Salford. They had to do something and look, now Neil, Neil Woods is under a bit of pressure. Who knows what will happen, but like I said, that's for a different league. But I... I, I um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it was a strange one. Yeah. I think, I think like you said, with, with, with the managerial, I think they need to... I think Kylo might need to give him a little bit... I don't know about giving him a little bit more time, is what I would say with Simpson. Obviously, he's a club legend at the club, right? He's been there for years at Carlisle. So I think he'll that will give him a little bit more time. But if, if results don't go his way soon, wouldn't be surprised if a month or two he'll, he'll, he'll be gone. The thing I would say is that Simpson, I don't think anyone else could probably get a better out of the players they have and the budget they have. I think Paul mm. Simpson's the correct man for Carlisle at this moment. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a lot of, lot of money in the bank with their fan base, hasn't he, as well? So you'd yeah. like to think he'd get fine. Yeah. So last game of the League One weekend, as we go to Broomfield Road for Blackpool versus Stevenage. Yeah, a bit of a weird game, this one, actually. Um it's, it's strange to come away from a 3-0 loss away and kind of feel like the other side weren't amazing. We were really poor. Um, I think 3-0 flattered them slightly. Um, so their, their first two goals away deflected. Um, first one, strike near to the box that hits Jordan Rhodes in the back about half an hour in and just rolls in. Um, and then I can't remember who the guy was the, who had the hit for the, the second goal. But again, it's, it's a, a, a shot that is probably going straight at the goalkeeper. Um, Terence Van Kooten's had a hack it and it's flown into the top corner. So I think that I think it's one of those ones where I think Critchley himself said afterwards that he felt that he did it did flatter them. Um, so strange one in that sense. Um, Steve Steamage weren't very good. Um, I think it was a little bit of a wake up call for us in terms of not so much kind of where we're at in terms of um, league positions. I don't think any of us expected to be in the top four or five of the league, but. I think more reliant squad-wise um, on our fullbacks. Um, so we were missing Luther Wilding, um, and also our starting left back. Um, we essentially started Jake Forster-Kasky, who's a central midfielder at left wing back, um, and Nick Freeman, who's a central midfielder at right wing back. So as that is in a system that is heavily reliant on wing backs, um, you're going you're gonna to get you're going to concede some chances. Um, we created very very little. Um, we I think we had only had four shots in the whole game, which sounds like a Blackpool dominance. It, 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 like I say, it, it, there wasn't much in it. Um, we're very, very strange game. Uh, Aaron Presley went off at half-time, Stevenage. Um, we said last week how important he is for that side. Um, when he goes off, we're then lumping it long to strikers that aren't nowhere near as good at holding it up. So, um, yeah, fr really frustrating day. I think, well, we'll get on to this, I'm sure, but... Afterwards, Steve Evans was very classically Steve Evans and wanted to talk a lot about referees and wanted to talk a lot about the fact that we had 
what appeared to be quite a legitimate goal for Shaney Reeves chalked off just before half time. And listen, okay, at 1 1 at half time, that may very well have been a different game. However, um, I, I don't think the decision, the decision is as bad as it's made out to be. Um, I think it's one of those whereby if you freeze it, it looks well onside. I'm sure if you go half a second later, he probably looks well offside. So yeah. I don't think it's a blatant decision. Um, and I also just think I'm a little bit bored of the tribe of referees in every single game. Listen, like, yeah. don't get me wrong. You know, we all have our grievances and officials in, in this league, but there was no talk about us getting a, a, a fairly generous penalty last week that won us the game 1-0. That was all swept under the carpet, and there was no, you know, no mention of that. So when it goes our way, we're very quiet. Um, I don't think we can be talking about VAR, and we can talk about decision at gate. I just think there you need to be a bit more humble. Yeah, yeah. Just before we touch upon refereeing standards in, in the FL and, and things like that, I just wanted to um, bring up Jordan Rhodes a little bit. I know, I know that's probably the, the one of the more one of the more fortuitous goals in his run. But I think, is that, is it, I want to say either six, is it seven and eight or six and seven, one of the two? Um, and it, to me, I feel like I've been transport, transported back 10 years. And I'm like, he's like, he's playing with his, I don't know whether any of you guys played FIFA back in the day, but he had, he had like one of the best silver cards on FIFA you've ever seen when he was at Blackburn Rovers. And that's, that's what I feel like I'm watching right now is, it's quite nostalgic to see it, and I'm liking it, to be honest. He's one of those strikers, isn't he, that once he starts scoring, gets a bit of confidence, yeah. and he's just a, just a poacher, isn't he, that just, just gets yeah. goals. Yeah, I think he needs to made to be feel wanted as well, because remember when he was at Middlesbrough, when they were going for promotion, he was not the main man, so to speak. He came into a team that was already relatively doing well and just couldn't score to save his life. He go, He's obviously at Blackburn with Rudy Gasted. He's made to feel like the main man, scores goals. Um now as a Blackpool is their main man because they didn't really have a, a striker before he came in. And funny enough, he's he's scoring goals. Yeah. He's a weird one that so he's got he's got seven goals in eight games uh for Blackpool. Guess someone guessed the last time he scored ten or more goals in a in a season. Was that Blackburn in twenty seventeen? It was it, yeah, it was for Blackburn, yeah, twenty sixteen. Oh bloody. That is mental. Because I still remember him. Because I, I was when I was really younger, so this must have been 2012, um, when I went to watch Stevenage with my team, when they were just like when we were in League One. And that was when he was at Huddersfield for the first time and he was just banging them in. Like, I think he might have scored two or three that day. And I just, when I just saw him, I was probably about six or seven at the time, but I just saw myself in amazement at how good this striker was. I think you you hit the nail on the head there. He he is the like the definition of a confidence player, isn't he? Like you play games, you get a good run. Somebody with his his talent and his pedigree will 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 score your goals. You know what I mean? And now now they're reaping the rewards, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I as as we're talking about about Stephen Blackpool and Steve Evans' interview about. Saying about VAR, can they actually be introduced in the football league? What are your guys' opinion on this? Because, in my opinion, VAR should be introduced into the into the into the football league. I think it's it's shown in the Premier League the last few weeks slash months that it might not be the best idea there, or maybe it's the referees. We don't know what's happened there. But what is your guys' uh, opinion? And if not, 
what would you like to do to, to sort this officiating at the moment? If if you're being to me so far in the EFL and the National League, from what I'm seeing, the the subtle changes that they've made, so like a yellow card for kicking the ball away, you have to go off if you you know if you've got an injury, uh, like time wasting yellow cards, they're the sort of right steps in the right direction to me. I'm a little bit dubious about VAR because I feel like soon we're going to get transported into a, a game where, like, I kind of like the fact, I know the, the officiating levels in the NFL are appalling at times, but it it kind of is different from the, the Premier League for that reason, the fact that the referees can still have their own opinions and how they say things. They don't have to... You know, they don't have to go to a computer. It doesn't have to feel robotic. We're not wondering, or oh, has he, he, he slid in for a ball, but his hands touched the ball, is it a penalty? You know what I mean? It's it's the referee's decision, and I like that. But I was having a, a chat with Ryan earlier on, and we were talking about, I think before we even talk about VAR, because people forget, oh, yeah, we, we can say, oh, yeah, we need VAR in every division, but it costs a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It costs a lot of money to get like stuff like that in so maybe maybe the most logical thing is is get professional referees in first and foremost because not not every referee in the EFL pyramid is professional and actually the majority of them are not professional referees um so maybe if you, if you employ professional referees i'm not saying that the the, the non professionals or whatever you want to call them are doing a bad job on purpose, but if, if it is solely what you get paid for, then maybe they're going to be a bit, bit more on the ball with it. So, yeah, I think, I think just, just, um, just continuing the small things like the the yellow cards for kicking the ball away and stuff. But either, either put some more support and training in place that's actually like beneficial and not just like powerpoints that are like this is a handball, this you know actually get them out on the on the grass and doing things that are going to improve their officiating standards or uh, employing professional referees would be a good start. I've... Yeah. 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 It's not, I, I think... Oh. Uh, it's something I, that I've been thinking about for a while and it's, it's just it's just very annoying. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I, I feel like that the... Like you said, the kicking the, the, kick the ball away or or the time-wasting yellow cards. But sometimes the time-wasting yellow cards, they're taking too... Like, they're giving them not enough time. Like, I'm going to go... The, I know this isn't League 1 or League 2 or men's football, but if I go on the point from the Greenwood yellow card against... Um, Man, I don't know who it, it was against. I think it was Chelsea in the Women's Super League a couple of weeks ago, where she's Greenwood's on a yellow. She's... About she's wait literally waiting for her play, waiting for her team to come up the pitch for a free kick that she's taking, and while she's waiting for that, the referee says it's too long and is booked to a second yellow. She's got a red card, and then at the end point of the game, the, well, what, their what team's was, down to nine men, and they end up drawing the game where they probably should have won it. What was the time? What was the time stamp of the game? Um, I was pretty pretty sure it's it was in the first half, so about the thirty fourth, oh, really? right. minute. Okay. So it wasn't even that like late in the game. Like, why would she time waste? That's the thing. See, I'm I'm more on sides of the officials on that sort of sense, especially like the the kicking the ball away really, really does my head in. Like, really yeah. does my head in because 
every professional footballer from the Premier League to the National League has been briefed in the summer quite clearly that if you kick the ball away, it's a yellow card. And like we we've had two um, again, I'm talking about Alden for a second. I'm sorry, I know this is a League One podcast. I'm just holding on to nostalgia. I still, I still think we're in League One. <laughs> but we've had two red cards so far this season, and both of them have been given his second yellows for our boys kicking the ball away. And whenever that's happened in the football, you've not heard one Oldham fan in that stadium with an ounce of, like, an ounce of, what's the word? Like, it's almost like we don't feel sorry for them because why are you being so brainless in something that you, you know is going to be picked up on? Why are you kicking the ball away? I don't, I don't get it. So, for me, I don't feel sorry for them on that aspect at all, really. Yeah, I think it's good that they've applied it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Consistently, especially with kicking the ball away this year, because it's all one of these things. They put the rule in, they do it for two or three weeks, and then it's forgotten about and everything goes back to normal. Um, it's like the abuse the referees get from players. It's good that they get a bit more respect because I'll use rugby as an example. You talk to the referee properly and actually have yes. a conversation with them rather than just calling them every name under the sun. Um, the only one that is a little bit annoying is the time wasting, um, especially in some of the games I've seen this year. They Even if they're booked, they won't book them again. They'll just point at their watch saying, come on, I, I am timing this. It's like, just book them again. What? Is that not trying to get? Is that not trying to get counterbalance now? And again, I can only talk from because I, obviously I see a lot of National League football at the minute, and most of Latix's games at the end of games has been like I've not. I don't think I've seen a game this year where there's been less than like five six minutes added on at the end or at the end of each half. Is that not getting counterbalance with if you know if you know you're time wasting? Yeah, you'll pick up a yellow card. Yeah, we might not send you off, but we're still gonna add the time on at the end of the clock. Yeah, that is a fair point. Most games have had six, seven minutes added on, other than one game where we had three, which was really weird. Yeah. The big, the big, the big thing for me, and then kind of the whole debate in all of this, is that football kind of trying to catch up with other sports, isn't it, in terms of, you know, okay, we're going to finally implement technology. The problem with football is that, you know, about 80% of what happens on a football pitch is, is subjective down to opinion. So, yeah. you know, we only really have. I mean, what offside is factual? I mean, is it factual these days now with what with, with the rules? I don't even know if that is. Um, and I, I don't know what else can you argue is factual, whether, whether a ball has, has crossed the line. Other than yeah. that, like, what what are we aiming for in perfection in this game? Like, you know, ultimately, we, we all come away from it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'd have a different perspective if we missed our promotion on the last day from a blatantly offside goal. But 
we all come away from football wanting to talk about those decisions and wanting to discuss it and the, the controversy it, it does add an element to the game and yeah. you know it's it's not factual um you know e- even with the ar and you know you've got look at you know red cards in the premier league at the weekend you've got 20 people in a pub and 10 people think it's a blatant red card and 10 people mm-hmm. think it's absolutely not so i just think that aiming for this kind of level of perfection with it i just i just don't really get why that's yeah. become a thing I don't know. I, I I feel like if we do VAR, like I'm this is obviously very hypothetical, but if there was VAR, maybe in the higher leagues, and then if it ever comes down here, should it instead of being every decision, maybe be a bit like tennis and a bit like cricket with more of a like challenge, challenge system? You like yeah. one and a half, two and a half? I think it should be like two a game sort of thing. I think yes, yeah. because at the moment they're checking possible red card. We wait three minutes. Then nothing's happened. Well, that's a good decision. Then we're checking offsides for a pixel or a hair being offside. It's like, oh, it's not clear just, obvious. We could just bring in what they brought in at the rugby. World. I know it's different, and you'd have to maybe make a sub while they're doing it. But I really like at the rugby world cup now with all the head contact. And if you know if a high tackle is going to be deemed a red, what they do now is is you go off for a yellow card, but they have a what they call a yellow card, red card review. So as you're sat there then, the referee has half the time that you're off the pitch for that 10-minute simbin to make a decision on whether uh, it's going to be upgraded to a red. And I think something simple like that would be really sort of, um, w- would be really sort of like effective in, in, in football, to be honest. Yeah, sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to, uh, there's just been some breaking news. Uh, added that Charlton, well, it's not breaking news, but it's come out a couple of hours ago. Uh, that Charlton have just signed Sam Walker, goalkeeper. Um, that's just he's 32, he's he's played for Kilmarnock, he's just short term till till January for Charlton. So, just, they lost the keeper recently, yeah. I don't know, it's just it seems it's a short term deal, so maybe I don't know if Appleton's had him before. Um, but yeah, might have had him up. Blackpool, but that's the only place I can think he's had him. Yeah, it might be Blackpool. He's had a loan store Blackpool. I think it might be 2019, 2020, around that area. So maybe depends when Pretty was there. Pretty was there. Yeah. I do uh, on the sorry, I'm just hitting back to that BAI debate. I do think it's it's very indicative of what Steve Evans does talking in post-match press conferences because he's managed to turn a game where Steve had just been pumped 3-0 into 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 into, <laughs> yeah. into a into a 10-minute debate between us about VAR, which he, he knows is never going to be implemented yeah. at League One level, and it's purely to bring about this agenda of let's talk about that referees have this agenda against Stevenage, and I'll get another email apologising from the from the referees officials. Like it's it's all bollocks, um, and it doesn't work. Uh, it didn't work last season. He tried he tried it every single game, and it, that, it, I do find that frustrating. I, I don't yeah. mind the manager trying to take the edge away from their team and trying to you know take take that responsibility away from them when they lose. When it's every week, like, come on. It yeah. seems to be after every loss, doesn't it? It's one decision we didn't get or one decision that's what about your performance or even your management, to be honest. Did you get your tactics wrong? Or but, Yeah. I think yeah. I think for me, I'm, I'm, and this might be quite science and a bit sports science, but it might just be, sorry, it's because I'm doing this in, in sport, but um, a bit of attribution theory, like how he just blames his team. He doesn't blame his team. Like He doesn't blame himself for the performance that they made. He just blames it on something that isn't his fault like oh it's 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 the it's the referee's fault oh it's just not our fault today instead of on their attitude is i'm not saying steve evans is but is that not the sign of like a bad to me that's a sign of like a bad leader right 
the fact that you're not willing to put any blame on yourself and you're supposed to be the one leading your foot, like you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He did. He did. He did open his like his press his, his conference uh, after the game. The first thing he said was, "Listen, we're not professing to have played well today." But then it's it's that that's the one sentence, and then the mm. next three minutes is is then an arguing about referees. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm it, sure the FI just... crap in their pants the way he looked <laughs> down the camera. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's it's the same excuse in people if they fight, for example, like a, a boxing or MMA fight, and they say, "I'm not making excuses, but I had an injury in my camp." Like you've said, you were bad today, but this is the reason why we lost. Or I know why we lost today, but yeah, like I did. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that. It's just them blaming someone else for their mistakes, if you know what I mean. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's not particularly great when when you know you need a response, especially this weekend against Port Vale. But you're not blaming yourself for it. That might not get the reaction from your team that you want. I think it's a big game for Stevens this weekend, just to kind of gauge where they are. They've obviously lost three and four, and Port Vale have lost. Well, I think it's not one in five. I think in all in altogether. So it'll be a Big game to kind of gauge where I think Stevenage are, and I think the table will start taking a good picture the next three or four. I think uh, again, I think it's a strange one that even 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 that sort of kind of context around it. We we weeks ago kind of said, look, you know, the next four games are playing four very big sides, um, and I actually think we've only been soundly beaten by Oxford. Um, mm. Apart from that, kind of the, the other games all could have kind of all could have gone one way or the other. We've obviously what beaten Wigan. Um, should have got a point at Bolton. I'm not, I'm not saying we should have got a point at Blackpool. We, we deserve to lose, but they were miles better. So yeah, I, I, I think I think it'll be a bit of a storm in the sea cup. I think that they'll get back to winning ways. The only thing I'll finish on this topic, uh, and I said to Owen before we came on, uh, I wonder whether he feels aggrieved just by the the timing of the decision. Maybe the fact that you were one 0 down, it was one all to tie the game. You know what I mean? Then the momentum could have completely shifted who knows you know what i mean that's that's the only thing i could think about why he was so like so sort of pressing with his argument the fact of the timing of when the decision took place maybe yeah i think if if, if that if that wasn't a, a well-known characteristic of his i think if it was a one-off you'd go yeah do you know what mate you got a point um but it's like because it's uh, because a bit of a would, would he still be sort of as and i don't know steve evans is well as you guys but would he still be sort of as pressing with it if if you were if you were already losing three three nil and it was three one do you know what I mean to make that decision? Uh, he he can he can make any decision be uh, game changing. You know there'll okay. be there'll be there'll be a throw in that we didn't get that led to their goal fifteen passes later that if we'd got that it's you know it's all it's all butterfly effect. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen I I, I I love the guy. <laughs> I, I, I can't say any more, more positive things about Steve Evans, but it's probably the one thing that is a bit of a grouch of mine with him. Yeah. yeah. So, as the teams on Saturday played, and obviously the teams that didn't play, they were obviously also looking forward on Sunday to the FA Cup first, first sorry, FA Cup first round draw, which obviously involves all League One and League Two teams, as well as the winners from the qualifying ties in the National League. We obviously the FA Cup is known for being a, a great opportunity for sides to make a wonderful Cinderella Cup run. So, before we talk about who teams play in the first round with us, we will ask all the people here what are your favorite FA Cup memory? We'll start off with Aaron. So, again, I'm I support a general, I'm part of a generation at Latics where 
I've only ever, what I would quantify as success so far is is FA Cup runs and, and FA Cup victories. So for me, a lot of people will probably say the Liverpool game and and listen, I was a thirteen year old kid when we beat that Liverpool side, and I remember I'll remember that till the day I die. But for me, the 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 game before that in the run, Nottingham Forest away, um, will always stick in my memory a little bit more and and be sort of a like a sort of more exciting memory just because it was my very first ever away game with my dad, like my, my first ever one. We were 1-0 down at half-time and we won 3-1 in the end. And I think there was something like nearly four and a half, five thousand 5,000 fans going to the, uh, the the county ground at that, that night. And um, yeah, I just remember Jose Baxter, he got a free kick with 10 minutes to go, probably... Just, just, just a little bit further back from the edge of the D, and put it in the top bins and the away end just went absolutely balmy. And yeah, so I've got a lot of good memories with the FA Cup, but unfortunately, that's probably where my success ends with Latics um, at the minute. But we're, look, we're into the first round. We beat Altrincham at weekend, which uh, from speaking to a lot of non-league journalists, uh, we were going into that game as as underdogs as such, because Altrincham have been on, on fire in our division this year. The, the fourth, they were unbeaten in six games and we, we went there and, and got got a well-deserved 1-0 um, result. And now we go away to Newport County. And again, I know it's a different division, but if you're asking me if I'm confident going into that tie, I most definitely am because Newport haven't started very well at all in League Two. So I don't see why we can't go there and cause them some problems, especially with Mickey Mellon now in, in the hot seat at Latics. Yeah, I think it's an exciting time, yeah. Yeah. What about for you, Sam? What's your what's your sort of favourite FA Cup memory as, a, as an Orient fan? Um, it's got to be the Arsenal at home game where Jonathan Tahue nutmegged um, a defender, I can't remember the defender's name, and then nutmegged, I think it was Manuel Armunia in the, the Arsenal goal, and the yeah. whole of Brisbane Road goes That's absolutely it- mental. And was that's it, it, that's was, um, was it not William Gallas? I think was it maybe quite possibly. That's a name from the past. That one, yeah, um, yeah. that's got to be one of his worst memories. A nutmeg from Jonathan Tahue from the French fourth <laughs> division. Yeah. I'll always remember just... that commentary line from yeah. the four, French fourth division. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, that, and then obviously the trip to the Emirates. Yes, we got absolutely hammered, but the day out at the Emirates is in my lifetime. I'd be, I'd be lucky to get a, get another one. Um, because our FA Cup run more recently, I remember we played Morden and Tiptree and we lost, which signaled the end of oh. Carl Fletcher, which was a blessing in disguise in, in all yeah. things. Um, but Carlisle United in our cup draw, considering we played Carlisle literally the day before, it wasn't overly exciting for us. Um, but with our squad this season, it's a good opportunity for some fringe players, and it would be really nice just to try and have a cup run this year. Um, yeah. last couple of years, we've either got Forest Green or we've got Plymouth. So it's nice yeah. to actually have somebody different, I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm just going to, before we go to Ollie and Stevenage's FA Cup memories, I'm just going to quickly talk about what I believe is the draw of the round for this year's FA Cup. And I think that's that's got to be Cholton versus Cray Valley. I think Cray Valley's about a 10 minute, 10 minute sort of drive away from, from Cholton. And obviously they're a seventh, eighth tier side. So fair play to them. A, a cool fact about this is that Kevin Lisby, obviously, is a Cholton legend. His uh, son actually plays for Cray Valley and scored two goals to get them to this round. And now he's going to play against the, uh, the team his dad was a was probably 
a legend or dad was a legend for. So, is, what's your thoughts on that? Is obviously obviously a great game for for them. I mean, that's what that's what the FA Cup's about, isn't it? Like, yeah. I um. I, I can't remember who is it that have just drawn Barnsley and I seen it. They were all in the clubhouse and they were going nuts and, and Barnsley was like Barnsley tweeted it and I was like, to be fair, I've never seen anybody so excited to come to Yorkshire before. I just thought I just thought that that was that's just what the FA Cup's about, isn't it? The fact that you can get like these semi pro or or seven for eight tier teams coming to places like Charlton and and Barnsley yeah. and 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 it's it makes our clubs, you know what I mean. The finances involved with it will will keep them clubs going, and there's no other there's no other competition like it for me in football. Yeah, it was Horsham, by the way, who who drawn uh, Barnsley away, and that's obviously quite funny considering. Um, I think they beat was it Dorking Wanderers in the in the fourth qualifying yeah, round. Yeah, that interview was a hilarious. And then, you haven't seen it, now, yeah. It. Yeah, and then he's gone. Oh, I hope they get a good draw, so my so my teammates, so my uh, my my team can uh, get really annoyed that they didn't play a big team. And obviously, they got one of the biggest teams in League One and probably the biggest teams in the draw at the moment. So that will be a kick out the backside for his team. But they've obviously they've also just signed Dawkins, uh, former Stevenage player, and Charlie Carter as well. So he will not be happy. Um, so we'll just say this, Ollie. What is your uh, favourite memory as a Stevenage fan about the FA Cup? FA Cup's been pretty good to us in over the years, actually. I think we've, yeah. In my lifetime, um, I've seen us play Newcastle in the 90s um, and take it to a replay, very famously. I've seen us take Tottenham to a replay. I've seen us beat Newcastle at Broadway. Um, but um, the thing that's the, the one that kind of sticks out and probably is in my top five games as a Steamish fan um, was Villa away last season. Um, yeah. Same is because I think if, if, you, if you go to any game and you win 2-1 when you're a goal down going in stoppage time, that sticks in your memory, right? If you do it away at a Premier League side, um, it was that the atmosphere was just incredible. Um, and I, I actually, on that day, I, t- I took my wife um, for some bizarre reason. Um, and she, from that game, I guess it's impossible not to really become a fan from that, has since become Stevenage's biggest fan and now comes for every game from me. And I guess, kind of, again, that's kind of what the FA Cup's about, right? Just give, given moments like that. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't get that game playing Chesterfield at home and, and, and winning that two-one, or playing, uh, you know, Burton away or whatever. It's you know, it's the games like that that really grab the imagination of people. And so, yeah, the, the stage of it, that every the manner of the win with the two late goals was just, yeah, an incredible atmosphere in the stands. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for me, I'm obviously I'm a Steve fan as well, and I am I'm a bit unlucky that I don't remember that I was wasn't born when we played Newcastle in the first time round in 98. I was too young to remember Tottenham and, and Newcastle fully. That I might watch them on telly, but I don't think I watched them live at the grounds. Um, but Villa was my my first time going to a, a Premier League ground as an away fan for for Stevenage. And just the atmosphere that we had, like, I believe it was just under 4,000 fans that we took to, to, to Villa. And to see us not just... Um, obviously, we're losing one 0 until stoppage time, but to see us still be there until the end, and then to see us score two goals to, to win the game, I just remember that I was with my dad and and my brother, and I have a twin brother, and just to like just to celebrate with them a memory that will last a lifetime, and then to then go away to Stoke. I know it wasn't the greatest of results, but we went away to Stoke. I went out with my twin brother, and just to see another four thousand odd Stevenage fans go up two and a half, three hours up north. To, to support a club 
who not long ago probably were going to be a non-league side is just is just brilliant. And that's what yeah. the FA Cup is about. Yeah. I'm just curious. I've just got the full list here of the draw, and yeah. I just wanted your guys's um, maybe the pick up a uh, pick for like the game of the game of the draw, like or what you perceive will be the game of the draw. I mean, I'll kick yeah. us off, and I think purely from a footballing point of view, I think the game that's sticking out to me is probably Chesterfield versus Portsmouth. To be honest, yeah. not only because I think I think Chesterfield could go, like cause cause a cup set, even though. I do believe Chesterfield probably have a good enough squad right now to be maybe in the bottom end of League One anyway. So you know, but in terms of like footballing, footballing sides and and like good attractive football, I think that is my my tie of the round to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. Yeah, I think for me, I think I think a good chance of an upset could probably happen. Um, so I'm just having a quick look. I don't know. I I, I know it's quite a far way of, of opinion, but. Maybe Marine versus Harrogate. Marine obviously have a, a, a big thing in this competition, obviously getting to the third round. I think they beat Colchester along that way to that big FA Cup tie against uh, Tottenham. And they had a good chance again. They lost 5-0, but they still had some good chances there. I know it's a couple of years ago now, but I feel like that memory and that fans are going are gonna to really help them. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they spring an upset against a Harrogate town team who've been solid, but not spectacular this season. I quite like the look of Hereford Gillingham. I've got a lot of a lot yeah. of good memories of visiting Edgar Street back in the non-league days. Um, I think we, we won a we won a playoff semi-final late there uh, one year. Dean Murray got going back to that, um, but yeah, that, like that to me is well, it's a, it's a it's a stereotypical side that famous for the cup, um, and they're a side that obviously have fallen on some harder times. Yeah, for them to get a Gillingham side um, at, at home, um, I think that that's got a lot of potential in it as well. Yeah, I'd also say Bromley versus Blackpool with the form Bromley are in currently as well. Uh, maybe Blackpool yeah. probably co- maybe concentrate on league, on league, try and get back to the championship, and hopefully well, it'd be nice for Bromley to actually spring a surprise and get through to the second round. Yeah, I've also got another fun fact um, about the FA Cup is that also in the third round ra- in this in the first round, um, Eastley drew Bourne Woods, and it turns out this is the third year in a row they've drawn each other in the first round of the FA Cup, which I find <laughs> outstanding. How two non-league sides not just qualified, but then also made also drawn each other again. See, it's that's just... like that's like for me. My my example of that is Oldham Athletic and Doncaster Rovers have a right love affair in the FA Cup. The amount yeah. of times that I've been to the keep mode and vice versa and sinners either get knocked out by Doncaster or knock them out is a, is a joke. It, it was like a marriage in the end. It yeah. always just used to happen in the FA Cup. Yeah, I think it's also the same as Stevenage. Uh, we, like, I think Ollie might know this, about like, there's we always have this thing of a corridor of teams we always seem to play in a cup competition. Ipswich is always one. Uh, is it what Watford is sometimes one Wickham, uh, Don, yeah, Reading's another one, Don's okay, Don's. I feel, sorry, I feel like I feel like it's one of those football fan things that isn't it that you all you go into any FA Cup draw, no matter how kind or horrible it's been to you in previous years, you always go and assume you're going to get one of three teams and you manage to convince yourself yeah. you always get them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah same for Forest Green for us, always away, always on a yeah. Tuesday night, that's normally what it is, <laughs> yeah, uh, so. We will look at one more thing. I was talking about... I did this on the breakdown, but I think of you guys' opinion. It came out on Wednesday evening that uh, William Story has uh, been given... is be has decided to purchase Reading FC and is going through the fit and proper test. 
I don't know what you guys' opinion on it. Mine is very strong. I said it on the breakdown, but I know what your guys' opinion on this will be. I feel sorry for Reading Football Club. They're going to be called Rich Energy Reading Football Club and playing black and gold. Yeah. And then when things don't go well, he'll throw his toys out of the pram and try and sell the club. When you first asked me about when you first asked me about this, the first thing I thought I'd just do was just type William Story into Google. And the first new the first news story mentions that he once owned a cheetah. If that is in, if that is in, if that's in the headline of who's going to buy your football club. Yeah. So if many people don't know about William's story, um, he was he's a business a businessman who um yeah, you might not know about him if if you didn't watch Formula One or motorsport in general, but he, he tried to he sponsored Formula he sponsored Formula One team Haas. And he originally thought he was going to he said that he was that his aim for Haas was to beat Red Bull. Um and he started celebrating at the beat Red Bull in testing, which doesn't mean anything. Um, and then at one point when they were behind Williams, who at the time was the worst car by a mile, he posted a picture of a Haas car in a milk truck or something like that, which caused a lot of opinion and ended up with them lo- them them two leaving the sponsorship agreement when it turns out that Rich and E had no money, which is why I'm worried about this with, with Reading. I said this on the breakdown. I think if that happens and... God forbid, if you pass the fifth proper test, the VFL was royally fucked up. Because I mean, we, we, we say it, we say it if he passes a fit and proper test, but I'm pretty sure I could pass a fit and proper. Test. You know what I mean? They're not, <laughs> yeah. they're not fit and fucking proper, are they? Let's, have let's you got fifty honest. quid in your bank account? You know I mean? Yes, right. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're fit Here we go. Twenty-five p. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, like, what does what does that test actually like? Do we know what they even profess? To look into no. and what they say. No. Have you got a registered passport? Have you got a birth certificate? Yes, right. You can have the job. You can have the club. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, I mean, so I mean, you want to play I... football manager in real life? Yes. yes. There you go. Yes, please. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's what I mean. I feel like if Reading, if, if this goes through, then I wouldn't be surprised if Red... I don't want it to happen because I think Reading's a great club and has brilliant fans, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're in even more trouble in two years' time and even go under. Yeah. Because William's story, I think I saw there's 10, he's had 10 businesses in the last 15, 20 years. They've all gone under at one point or another. What's going to happen if this keeps happening? It's, an, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're, again, we're sat here joking about it and, and kind of laughing about how unproper he is, but it's literally a football club that's happened to. Um, and we've, we've seen it so many times, haven't we, with so many clubs. Um, and Reading fans have clearly been through uh, a pretty tough Enough, time yeah. in the last three, 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 four years, you know. Yeah. You, you know, you, you finally hear there might be a takeover bid and then you find out who's behind it. I just, yeah, it, it can't, it can't, it can't still be allowed to happen, can it? There, there must reach a point where they go. And, and, and maybe, maybe Reading is that point, maybe, you know, a, a club of that size that have had the success they've had in, in recent memory. You know, maybe maybe no one cares when it's a berry or um, yeah. those sorts of clubs. Maybe this one tries really, to it. I understand what what you're saying, and and hopefully it does wake them up a set. But that really, really saddens me the fact that just because they are, you know, a traditionally big club, why don't they care about the scum forks? Why don't they care about the berries? Why didn't they care about us? Why don't they care about Marcus? It, it, it the the EFL is supposed to be. <laughs> A place where any anybody can play anyone and have you know have the chance of getting promoted or relegated to anywhere and it's I, I don't I just don't I don't get them and and to be honest 
for that side of things, I'm, I'm happy that we're out of it now. And look, it's easy for me to say, and I said this in the WhatsApp group chat a long time ago, before Frank came along, I didn't know whether I was going to have a club to follow, but Frank Rothwell came in and saved my football club. And if every football club could get an owner like Frank Rothwell, then the, the football pyramid would be healed. But I know I know they can't, so you've just got to, you've got to count your blessings and, and realise how lucky you are when you actually get a good one, right? Yeah. I feel I'm like just on, with just, sorry, sorry. I was gonna say with with I'm I'm very lucky that in my lifetime I've had a football club that's been run very sustainably with Phil Wallace. I think he's one of especially in the lower leagues, one of the best owners to just keep the club running and have no financial issues. We're lucky we've not had any chance of us going into administration in the time he's been at the club. We look at we look at Aaron obviously Aaron knows with with um with Oldham. We know Sam with obviously letting on Pachetti, Scunthorpe, Bolton, Berry could even be Reading now. Sunderland have had those issues in the past. That's what I mean. It's that when is this going to end? I think it's funny you mentioned that, Owen, because um, I remember a time when Phil Wallace was was first taken over um, and couldn't couldn't have been very different. Actually, we we were um, he had genuine serious meetings with a. Uh, t- I can't remember who it was. It was a TV channel, probably Channel Four or some shit. Um, yeah. But that they were they were trying to get a program running whereby during the game, fans text in for substitutions for like votes, uh, and yeah. it basically decided. And and, and we, we were like seriously in like in the talks for like this. This is going to be us, and it's what we're doing. So you know, I, I don't know why I don't know why we're laughing and, and acting shocked because isn't that what? What bloody uh, what are they called the people that own Crawley? They're pretty much oh, trying to do them sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I did, I, I seen that a couple of months ago. I think it was in the summer. They were like doing Twitter polls for like who should be signed and that. And I'm like, what? What is? What is that about? Just what, yeah. What is it I'm about? S- I'm so thankful he they because I, I I think am I right in saying they looked at a couple of clubs? I think Bradford was one. I think Stevenage was one because I was talking to a friend of mine who went to the MK Don Stevenage game in 2021, I think it was. Northampton as well. Thank you. Uh, Northampton. And he was at MK Don Street Stevenage and Wagney was there. And uh, in the VIP area. So, you know, we're quite happy we dodged a bullet. But I do think one of the big things at that level, though, isn't it, that obviously running football clubs at League One and League Two isn't hugely financially viable um, unless you get a good cup run or you get a nice batch of youth players that you sell on for money. So most of them do it at a bit of a loss, right? And I can't imagine there's too many businessmen prepared to come and take that chance um, unless you're somebody who absolutely loves the game. Um, and so I guess that's the situation, right? We, we have a, we have a pyramid that has so many professional clubs in it, but it's probably not that many people who are prepared to lose a lot of money on a football club. So you end up mm-hmm. having to take your, your chance on these kind of people and it's difficult. Yeah. While we're on the topic of the EFL, because I know we've run over a little bit, um, obviously it came out today that the Leighton Orient and Lincoln game will be replayed after the, the tragic death of Derek Reynolds at the game. Um, I just wanted to see what everyone thought about, because obviously the game was in the 83rd minute. The result in the grand scheme of things with, with Derek's life means very little. Um, but the EFL obviously announced today that the game would be replayed in full. I just wanted to see what everyone else thought about that. Sam, have, have, have I read properly here that if you're a season ticket holder, you get to go free again. But if you were correct, someone who paid for a correct. ticket, you've got to pay I, again. Yeah, that our chief executive announced that. And when I read that, I was like, that's 
basically bollocks because these people hold a match ticket for the Lincoln game. They should either yes. be allowed to give, the, give it back to the club or they should be allowed to attend again. If season card holders can attend again, people who have bought a ticket should be able to attend again. And I feel sorry for the Lincoln fans and all of this as well. They obviously paid for travel down on a Tuesday night. Some of them may have even bought hotels in London. So their supporters coach has obviously been paid for. So they've either got to pay for, they've got to pay for it again, the ticket and the coach. I, I just can't see the reasoning in my head behind the financial decisions, especially in the, a climate that we live in at the moment with cost of living and all that. All that. Fans, it's going to cost, what, 40 quid for a coach, 25 quid for a match ticket at least for an adult, and let's say 70 quid for a hotel. You're looking at £100 on a Tuesday night. And to be fair to the Lincoln fans, they've all said the result, from what I've seen, should have just stood as it was. I was going to say that. I wonder, I wonder how many Lincoln fans yeah would even argue it or, or would or would want would, would want yeah. to go again for the, for the game like and, and what i will say a fair play to lincoln city football club the way they've been about this has been absolutely outstanding and the words mark kennedy said um when he previewed the game after the saturday game brilliant nothing but have good we, words for lincoln we, city have we just made this rule up in football by the way i'm sure we we all think that there's a certain time games get to and the result stands. And like, have we just yeah. decided that out of nowhere? Yeah, well, I always I'm, thought it was 75 minutes. Unless yeah. unless my life has been a lie, I thought it was 75 minutes onwards and, and the, the match results stood, but obviously not. But the, the, the thing is, the thing is, I feel like, I don't know, it's a weird one to be talking about, isn't it? Because when, when a football fan goes to a football game and doesn't return home, it seems it almost seems like the that what happens with the football game is completely insignificant, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, our thoughts and, and prayers uh, with this podcast and and this um, um, LookSport Media, obviously, go to the supporters, friends and family and, and yeah. Yeah, I feel, I, I, I don't know, I just feel like it would have been perfect to just say the game was 1-0 to Leighton Orient, especially with like, saying that Reynolds that uh, to his family that that was like they he celebrated the goal and that was the winning goal. That's what I just feel like in my opinion that should be. In my I know this would be terrible for the but I wouldn't I would be very happy with Lincoln. I'd be, I'd be grateful if they even just give uh Leighton Orin a goal maybe at the start of the game or something like that. That would be no I don't being ceremonial and just saying thank you. They shouldn't. They shouldn't have. I wouldn't be surprised if they can have less than hundred fans because they're not going to travel to a game that they probably think they're going to lose. I'm not being honest. But Lincoln aren't crap. Aren't that great at the moment? And Leighton Orient are flying. What's the point of going to a game you're probably going to lose after already paying twenty quid for a ticket and forty quid for a coach? Yeah, yeah. hundred twenty quid for two games of football. The only one matters. It's really weird and yeah. That's what I mean. Not not many will do that because it'll be on a Tuesday night again, unless uh, if, like, for example, Lincoln and Orient both lose their first round games, the FA Cup, they might put it on a Saturday of the second round, but you just don't know. Yeah. 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 Right. 
that is a bit of a bit of a sour end to end the podcast. But um, thank you everyone for listening today. Um, it's been a great honour and, and love talking to all of you guys. Um, we will be starting the breakdown soon as well, which will be on a Wednesday evening. Uh, that will preview the games uh, throughout the whole week. Uh, that will be a Wednesday um, on our Wednesday. And then on a Saturday night, we'll start this as well. Uh, going over from League 2, we'll do the League 1 606, which all of you guys can get involved in. That will be on Twitter or X, whatever you like to call it. Um, and that will invite, if you guys want to come on from League 1, want to talk about your game, I'll be compl- uh, we are completely happy for you to and see how your result has gone that day. Um, make sure uh, to leave a five-star rating or leave a, a great comment on wherever you watch, your, uh, watch this podcast on, if that's Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon Music. Um, if it's, can you, if you'd like to have a look at our socials, so that is on Twitter, Instagram, oh, no, sorry, Twitter. Um, we've also got a website to look at the, the greatest news articles, the latest news articles, sorry, of, of where uh, football is going at the moment. Um, it's a goodbye from me, Owen, a goodbye for the rest of the team. Thank you for listening and have a good rest of your day. Nice one, thank you. Cheers, all. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.